Welcome to Unfinished, a podcast about how we are all a work in progress and no one has it all figured out. We're your hosts, Amber and Marky. Join Marky and I today as we talk about diet culture and why we hate it. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's uh, episode of Unfinished. Um, This week, Marky and I are talking about diet culture. Get ready. (laughs) We are so passionate about this subject and we are passionate because it has fundamentally been part of our lives since like I would say junior high for me yeah Mm, yeah high school probably for me more so but yeah 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 so I so just a little trigger warning, I guess, is the best way to put it. I guess just proceed with caution. If you have a history with eating disorders or disordered eating and you're not in a place um, to be hearing a lot of diet talk um, about diet culture, then don't listen. If you're in a place, this could be a really good episode for you, um, but just keep in mind that... um, it can be a sensitive topic for people. So if you're not, if you're just not in the place, just know yourself, know your limits and it's okay. Right. Um, and two, like Amber and I are both really passionate. I mean, I'm passionate to the point where I became a therapist for girls and women with eating disorders. Right. So this will be, this an- is, this is basically Marky's life, right? Yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> So this, I lit, like I breathe this and live this 40 hours a week plus my personal life to be completely honest. So, right. um, very passionate <laughs> about it. Amber's very passionate about it. Um, because we both struggled with dieting and with being told we need to diet, um, and how diet culture has affected us. So to define really quick what diet culture is, cause I know a lot of people are at wondering that I, I have had so many conversations with people that they're like, what do you mean when you say diet culture? Um, diet just means the way we eat. Okay. And I want you to ask anyone in the room, if you're the person who says that, if they ever grew up hearing diet used to refer as just something like just the way you eat, because yes, that's what that means. But when we talk diet culture, we're talking about this system that basically says it worships, it worships thinness and it equates it to health. And it's saying there's a moral value attached to food, that certain foods are good and certain foods are bad. And by the way, they never can agree on anything. And that should be like the first clue that they're messed up because there's no consistency in the diet culture. Um, It attaches worth to your body. And it says that there's an ideal body weight and shape. And, oh, I'm already getting passionate. I'm already... (laughs) I'm already getting fired up. Woo! Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it's a, it oppresses people who don't match up with like its picture of health. And the hard thing is, is it, it seeks perfection and it says, Hey, be perfect, but it doesn't actually really give you the tools to actually do that successfully. Cause there is no perfection really, but it literally gives you tools to fail. Um, so I'm going to give you some statistics. Um, of teenage girls, um, and this was, I think, a study in, I want to say 2018, maybe, were trying to lose weight. 58% of them were actively dieting, and 15% would only have been considered medically overweight. And I will tell you right now, medically overweight is not always a good indication of if you're healthy. Yeah. BMI is garbage. B- BMI is a lot of crap. And, and I can say this, I feel comfortable saying this because we have to use BMI, um, to diagnose eating disorders. And among our community community, we even say it's a load of crap. Right. Um, 86% of American women hate their bodies. 
reported. So a hundred percent. Um, six, this one breaks my heart. I will try not to cry. I might cry. 60% of elementary girls are concerned about their weight. And by age six, most six-year-olds are aware or have heard negative talk about their body and start thinking about their body in comparison to others. Um, and that's guys, that's not okay. 60% of elementary aged girls. That is just insane. It's disgusting. Um, 90% of all diet, all diets fail at one year and 98% fail at five years. And what that means is they did a, um, oh my gosh, what is it called? Meta-analysis, I think is what it's called, study where, um, I'd have to look at the report again, but what that means is that you are likely to gain that weight back times 0.5, I think. So like if you lost 10 pounds, you're going to gain 14 back. Right. So, so you, you diet, lose the weight, you gain the weight back and some. Yep. (laughs) Is ultimately what that says. (laughs) And here's my final and last number for you guys. Are you ready? Um, $60 billion annually. That's how much the diet industry makes. $60 $60 Multi billion dollar industry. So I'm sorry. Try, try and even fight me on <laughs> that. They're, they're trying to help us be healthy because they're not, they're they not. absolutely not. You don't do that. You don't become a $60 billion industry by trying to help people. Yeah. You don't. That's that's crazy. I didn't know it was that much money. It's so much money. Like I was thinking like, I've heard a billion before, but wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And then, I mean, this is not the episode for it, but I also have crazy statistics about eating disorders. We should probably do an episode just on eating disorders. Oh, we totally will. Um, but it is eating disorders. I will say this, it has the highest mortality. So death rate of any mental illness. Really? Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, opioid use is just second to it. Wow. Yeah. That's and, crazy. And dieting. Um, I think it, I think it's, oh crap. I don't remember this statistic. I didn't write this one down. Um, but I think it's like one in four people who diet will get an eating disorder. Ooh, yeah. I could be really wrong on that statistic, but it's a pretty high percentage. Right. Um, and then if you have diabetes, you're at a 35% higher chance to get an eating disorder because you're basically put on a diet. And that's a tough one because you can't like not do certain things for diabetes. Right. Uh, but they, yeah, they have a lot higher chance to get an eating disorder than women without diabetes. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, guys, it's like, (laughs) I know that it's tempting to go on these, you know, crash diets. Um, Like, I know right now, like, well, for a while, it's been like the keto diet. And yeah, that's super popular right now. That's super popular. And then also counting macros. Uh, which is basically like keeping track of your fat, the fats, carbs, and, uh, proteins that you eat. Um, I mean, there's Weight Watchers, there's, uh, the Atkins diet, there's paleo uh, whole 30. Yeah. Like even clean eating. Yeah. Even clean eating. And they've even come up with, uh, something they've come up with a disorder called orthorexia, right? Yes. I was actually just going to say we should, when we do our whole episode, we'll do an episode on eating disorders and go way more in depth. But I did my, uh, research like thesis, whatever in grad school on orthorexia. Oh, wow. So I'll do a little, well, should I explain what it is now? Yeah, definitely. So real quick rundown, people typically know what anorexia is. Um, you restrict. There's type two, and there's two types of anorexia. One where you, one where you simply restrict, the other where you restrict and you either binge and or purge. 
along with that. So a lot of people think if you're binging and purging, you have bulimia, but if you're restricting severely your calories, you, it's still considered anorexia. Bulimia is binge and purging. Then you have binge eating disorder. Um, you have orthorexia. This is not actually in the DSM-5, which is the most recent diagnostic statistic manual that as therapists we use to diagnose people with eating disorders or mental illness. Um, however, it's been around since the 90s, like it was coined, the term was coined in the 90s. And orthorexia is an obsession with eating healthy and being healthy yep. to the point. And you got to be careful because there's nothing wrong, I think, with wanting to eat in a way that makes your body feel good and happy. Right. That's intuitive, right? Um, yep. But like, okay, I had a patient who had orthorexia. Let me tell you. <laughs> it's actually such a funny story. She's so cute. Teenage girl, senior year of high school, super religious and spiritual, super good. Like just this good, good girl. She gets admitted to the center and she keeps telling me for the first two weeks, Marky, I don't have an eating disorder. I don't have an eating disorder. And she was one of my very first patients. So I was pretty new still to the whole eating disorder um, realm. realm. Yeah. And so I went to my supervisor. I was like, I don't know if she does like, and so I started explaining what she was doing. My supervisor goes, that sounds like orthorexia. She's like, call or email Nicole. She's our CEO. She, Nicole Hawkins. She's amazing. If you guys want to follow a really awesome person on Instagram, follow Dr. Nicole Hawkins. She's a PhD. She had an eating disorder recovered and she runs our facility. She's the CEO. She's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. She's freaking awesome. Um, so I emailed Nicole and Nicole sent me her whole slideshow. Cause she's, um, she knows orthorexia really well. She sends me her whole slideshow and I sit down with my patient and I go through these like five slides of like 10 symptoms each. And at the end, my patient goes, Oh, so I have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And this is okay. Limiting your food intake so severely that you're only eating like 15, 20 foods. It can be ex- as extreme as that. Um, so this girl, she would only eat like chicken breasts and a salad, um, or she would eat like toast, but she was really concerned about where the food had come from. So it needed organic, no added hormones, no added whatever, right? She had to be GMO, non GMO. Um, again, some bodies react poorly to those things. So I don't want you to think like, Oh, I, I have to do that for medical reasons or I do that. I must have an eating disorder. No, there's a difference between having an eating disorder and having disordered eating, which I would say probably this is my statistics. So it's completely made up. Um, (laughs) I would say upwards of 90% of American adult Americans have disordered eating. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's just, you know, not a scientific statistic at all. (laughs) Yeah. Well, me and Mark, you were talking about this before we started the episode, but how many times have you been eating food either out to dinner or at a party with either family or friends and someone just has to bring up something to do with the food yep. or a reason why they're restricting themselves from a treat or carbs or like it's just so annoying (laughs) because if someone gets rolling, then someone else brings up something else. And then the entire conversation revolves around food restriction or dieting. And honestly, like I, I've been working on like probably about a year and a half ago is when I finally like cut the umbilical cord and said, I'm never dieting again. Um, but since then, and I've gone to like to hang out with certain people or been at certain dinners or around certain family members, like it's just crazy how ingrained it is, how, just people bring it up in casual conversation. Well, and I don't think they realize either. Right. Cause it's such a, it's just so culturally yeah. ingrained in yeah. us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't know. 
Well, and it's just, it's just those little things like just making the comments about, I mean, here's, okay. I'm not judging you if you're dieting. I'm I'm not. not either. I'm not judging you. And I think that's important, but for heaven's sake, stop talking about it. Because I love you, but I do not care. (laughs) Unless you're a close personal family or friend and you're really struggling with something and there's like an, I don't need to have a whole conversation. If it's borderline eating disorder worthy, then Marky will talk to you. (laughs) I will refer you to a professional. (laughs) Which I am, but I'm not going to be your professional. (laughs) No, but the thing is, is, you know, I have a friend who has an eating disorder, um, who, who struggles because recovery is a really hard thing from eating disorders. And, oh, and I looked up the statistics. I was right. It is 25% of dieters get an eating disorder. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's high. It's too high. high. It's too high. Um, that's like saying, 25% 25% of people like, okay, uh, man, I wish I'd looked up these statistics. We know smoking is bad for your lungs because you can get lung cancer. Right. And people pretty much socially accept that. Mm-hmm. How is that any different than getting eating dis- an eating disorder because you started dieting or you were put on a diet? I had a patient who... um the first time she ever made herself throw up was when she was six years old. Are you serious? Yep. Wow. Six years old. I would die if that was my daughter. Yeah. Literally die. They didn't know about it till way later, you know? Right. Yeah. That's just so crazy. (sighs) Yeah. So, okay. I feel like we're a little bit all over the place. Let's explain some things about diet culture. I, okay. Yeah. We need to like define it. I yes. feel like. So we kind of talked about like how it's that system of belief that worships thinness and there's an ideal body type and that it elevates certain foods over others. Um, and it's not really consistent about it either because, you know, you can look at the keto diet, which is going to tell you one thing. And then you can look at the whole 30 or the paleo diet and they're going to tell you a different thing. So if this was really like science, mm-hmm. Wouldn't you think science would be saying the same things? I don't know that much about science. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> to be fair, fellows did not like science. But I feel like if, like, truth is truth, right? Two plus mm-hmm. two equals four every single time. So if diets worked, then we would know. And we would have that system of two plus two equals four. We would know. Well... <laughs> But also, well, going off of that, like, if diets worked and you lost the weight that you've always wanted to, why are we constantly weight cycling? Right. And constantly on a diet. Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you really think about it, like, I, so when I was in, I think ninth grade, no, I think seventh grade, actually, I told, well, I don't know exactly how it went down, but basically my mom and I wanted to do Weight Watchers. And I think part of it was me, but my mom was pushing for it because she was worried about me, right? She was worried and concerned about my health. So... The crazy thing is, though, is that I had to get permission from my pediatrician to actually sign up for Weight Watchers. And when we made an appointment with my pediatrician, she like 100% gave the green light. For real? A pediatrician. Isn't that insane? Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. So we got signed off for that. And then me and my mom signed up for Weight Watchers. And since that very freaking day that I signed up for Weight Watchers up until probably about a year and a half ago, 
I was on, on and off a diet my entire life, like seriously. And like, basically what would happen is, so I'd lose the weight. Um, I'd never lose, like, I'd never lose enough. Like I never could get down to the ideal weight that I wanted to, but so yeah. So once my quote unquote willpower was like, basically I just didn't have any willpower anymore. I would stop dieting and I'd be like, okay, I guess I've lost enough weight. So then I'd stop and then I would go exactly back to the way I ate before. And then I would gain all the weight back and some, and I would shame myself and just amp myself up to go back on a diet again. And it was this constant like weight cycling from age 12 to basically age 26. Yeah. Like it's just insanity. What is the definition of insanity? It well, it is actually too, Albert Einstein is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's insanity. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's an addiction. Oh yeah. Like as a culture, as a society, we are addicted to dieting. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Because the thing is, is what diet culture is telling us is if you can be this weight, if you can be this size, if you can look like this you will be happy. Right. Bull. You will not. Because let me tell you, I work with patients who've gotten to their ideal weight and lower because like a lot lower. Um, they are never happy. No, I, I am probably the biggest I've ever been. And I'm very happy with my body. I love my body. I don't always love the way it looks. I don't, I'm not always thrilled but I'm really grateful and I love what it can do. And as I treat it well, as I intuitively eat and I have mindful movement, um, my body responds to that. I went to the gym this morning and I was more tired than normal. So I cut my workout in half. Like I was like, meh, I'm done. And that's okay. Like that's listen to your body, your body. Oh my gosh. Okay. Your body does so many things for you. And let me tell you, I have watched girls come back from being so severely, severely like malnourished um, and restrictive. And I, I've watched their bodies bounce back. I, I've watched it um, because the, bo- the body wants to be healthy. It wants to be happy. It wants you to feed it. It wants the chocolate cake sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it wants the salad and that's okay. Um, the moment we start telling ourselves we can't have something or we're not allowed to have something, we want it that much more. And so when we all of a sudden break the rules of dieting, what do we do? We eat all the chocolate cake Mm -hmm. and that's not good. That's not good either. Okay. And so we'll do a whole episode on intuitive eating, but essentially intuitive eating teaches us that there's no good foods and there's no bad foods. Food is just food. Food Mm -hmm. is fuel. Right. It's just now there's, okay. There's a great, ha, this is amazing. I saw this little meme one time and I posted it to my Instagram story and basically it had two columns and one said good food. And it had all these pictures of different types of food, donuts, fruit, vegetables, pasta, just everything. Pizza was for sure on there. Um, (laughs) I mean, if there's ever going to be considered like the best food, it's peace. It's pizza (laughs) in my opinion. Um, and ice cream. <laughs> yes. And on the, on the right side, it said bad food. And this is hysterical. Okay. Number one, it said rotten food. Okay. Don't eat rotten <laughs> food, guys. Don't do it. Second, food, it said, basically. <laughs> it's the second, it said food allergies or food intolerances. Okay. If your body has an actual, actual go to the doctors, people. Okay. Stop thinking you have a gluten intolerance when you don't go to the right. doctors um, get tested. But for those of you who really do have food allergies or gluten intolerance, I'm allergic to pineapple. So guess what I do not eat? 
Pineapple. Pineapple, right? That would be considered bad food. And the last one they said was food that called you mean names at recess. (laughs) (laughs) And I laughed so hard. That is awesome. So funny. Um, but the point is the point of intuitive eating. It's, it's a non-diet. It's this idea that we love our bodies because our, our bodies love us. You know, our, if you look at our individual body parts, like your legs take you places, they allow you to do things like your hands have hugged so many people has helped so many people. You've done hard work with them. Your mouth allows you to communicate and kiss, which is great too. (laughs) And like your nose and taste, you know, and your nose, you get to smell in your ears. You get to hear so many beautiful, wonderful things. Um, and, but we all, we take all of these things and we define it all by our weight and our size that blows my mind. Yeah. And it breaks my heart. If you are listening and if you define your body by your weight and your size, I promise you there's another option. Like there's a way out. There's a way out. There really is. Yeah. Like I, I seriously got to a point where I just, I just told myself, I'm like, I can't diet another day. Like I am so done. It's so exhausting. Like it's just the weight cycling and the buying new clothes, the purging new clothes, the buying new clothes, the purging new clothes. And it's just like, so, I mean, no wonder like so many people get eating disorders. Like it's just so it just takes a toll on your mental health and it takes a toll on your body. Um, I, I can't remember exactly where I heard this, but basically this dietitian said that um, if you had gone your entire life without dieting, all of us would probably be at a lower set point weight. Yeah. And I 100% believe that because like, I mean, think about it from age 12, right? Till 26. That's like, what, 14 years of my body being restricted and then uh, fed really well and then restricted, and then just this back and forth, back and forth. And our body is just trying to just reach some type of normality so we can poop regularly. So (laughs) we can, and when our body, like, and just when we're hungry, that our body can expect to be fed. Like there's just certain like basic needs that our body needs to just function normally. But when we're messing with that all the time, like it's got to mess us up like somehow. And it has messed me up my whole life. Honestly, it has. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is our bodies are created to function properly and work properly when it comes to food and our weight. Um, our girls, when we, we have to weight restore a lot of them, right. that's what we call it. And so the dietitians, I mean, the dietitians I work with are absolutely phenomenal. Some of the most amazing people I know. And I have to tell you, they're probably the most hated people at work from, of our patients. Right. I mean, the patients love them, but they hate them. It's a love hate relationship because their eating disorder hates the dietitian. Right? right. Um, but often what they do, if I understand everything correctly, um, that basically they, they look at their growth charts. They look at like past weights to see kind of where like maybe their set point is. Um, and there's math that I know there's math. And so I don't know that piece cause you, um, that they do to figure out basically their set point, but it's a range. So, um, right. it's usually a range of, it depends on the person sometimes five. And this is for pounds. those of you who don't know, it's your, I guess, defined set point weight. 
healthy point where your body naturally falls when you're not restricting, you're not dieting and you're being mindful about your movement. Right. Yeah. So, um, our bodies all have that. And sometimes our bodies go above and below our set point. But if we're being truly intuitive about our movement and our eating, our bodies will naturally fall to where it feels most comfortable. When we constantly diet all the time, we do change our set point. Yeah. We do. That science has told us that. Yeah. Um, but one of the things we do is, so they're, they're on an increased caloric menu to weight restore for obvious reasons. Um, once they are weight restored, they do decreases and they, they figure out a maintenance plan for them. So kind of like what an intuitive meal is for them. Um, and this obviously is going to look really different if you don't have an eating disorder, like you would never do this. Um, but one of the things we have to figure out is, okay, where does their weight comfortably fall? And what does that feel like? Like how many meals and snacks am I having and things like that? Unfortunately for some of my patients, they will never be able to properly listen to their hunger cues again, which is sad. Some of them may never feel hungry again. Okay. Actually, can we talk about that for a second? We say things like, I feel fat. I feel hungry. Those two things are not an emotion, by the way. (laughs) Stop saying, I feel fat. Right. That's not what you feel. What you feel is shame from diet culture. You feel not enough because of your body size. I'm really pointing my finger and wagging it right now. If you can see me, <laughs> I'm like snapping at and you're, and you're shaking your head back and forth. Yeah, because I'm getting real passionate. <laughs> um, but you do not feel fat. You feel ashamed, and that because doesn't... because of the expectations of society. Yep, and what yep. they're telling you. You should look like you're saying that you're fat. Yes. But you're not fat. You're not. And I read this great thing. It said, you have fat. You are not fat. You also have fingernails and you're not those either. <laughs> Good point. Good point, right? Okay, <laughs> uh, I want to say this. I want to share this. I think this is so important to realize. I want you all to think of a child that you know around like age three or four. Think about how they interact with food. Think about how they interact with their bodies. Now there are, and we'll talk about this in our eating disorder episode, there are some very unique and specific eating disorders um, that can start very, very early childhood, but that it, anyways, it's a little bit different. So think of, you know, a typical child who is really normal and intuitive with food. They eat when they're hungry. They stop when they're full. They eat what they want. They eat what sounds good, right? Mm. Um, how do they feel about their bodies? They don't care. They pick their wedgies in public. They pick their noses. They let their bellies hang out. They don't care if their bodies jiggle. <laughs> they don't. They don't care. We teach our children how to feel about their food and their bodies. Right. Children are not born hating their bodies. It's something they're taught. Yeah. So if you're a mom and you're on a diet and everybody at the table is eating pizza, but you're eating a salad, what are you communicating to your children? Pizza is bad on some level. Yep. So, or, or maybe not that pizza is bad, but maybe it's something about you specifically. And let me tell you something as a daughter, that's what I watched. And that's what I listened to the most was how my mom talked about her body. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what, that is what I heard was how my mom talked about her body and how she talked about other people's bodies. Yeah. I love, I love my mom. I think Amber and I kind of talked about this. Our parents didn't quite know. And I think our generation will raise kids very differently, hopefully. But, well, I think they just Marky, didn't know. Marky and I have decided that we, like, my grandma was on a diet, always was on a diet, still is on a diet. And my mom was always dieting. 
And then of course, you know, I started dieting, but I am Marky and I, we, we have to stop the cycle. Yeah. Like this generation, it stops because there is more to your freaking life than being in a smaller body. And you were not, and I've heard this all over social media, but you were not born to basically live your entire life to be in a smaller body. No. Like, how, how ridiculous is that? Like, yeah. and, and it's, and it's challenging because you get online or you, you scroll through social media and you see these bikini models or you see your friend doing the whole 30 and they're looking amazing. And, you know, it's, it's just literally everywhere. And but like, that's, that's even taught to us is yeah. what, what is considered an amazing body. Right. Yeah. Like it. Well, society tells you. Yes. Imagine a world for a second where you were never talked about or taught what a body should or shouldn't look like. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I can't even imagine. Like, I I can't imagine it either. I can barely imagine it, but I could imagine a lot of freedom. Oh, yeah. That that would have given me to be myself. Right. Yeah. I was very insecure growing up. Like... Almost to the point that, well, and I mentioned this um, in our Valentine's episode, but my excuse always with men and dating was, oh, he doesn't like me because I'm fat. Yeah. Right. And even in high school, when I played volleyball and was doing conditioning five days a week, practice five days a week, sometimes even on weekends. And I was my smallest. I still felt like I was fat. Mm -hmm. And that is just ridiculous. I was the most in shape and most, yeah, healthiest, I feel like, when I played volleyball. And I feel like now that I have rid myself from diet culture and really have took the time to understand intuitive eating and actually have a healthy relationship with exercise. Like I feel like now I probably am the most healthy, the healthiest I have ever been and most confident in who I am. And that's because you're emotionally and mentally healthy too. Right. Right. So you're being intuitive about your movement and your eating, but you're also not constantly focused on how you look or, and, and that's a huge relief. And I think, I think it's important to point out like getting rid of diet culture in your life, like doesn't all of a sudden make you just love the way your body looks. Right. I mean, and you shared on Instagram a couple weeks ago, like about a bod- a bad body image day that you were having. Yeah. And like, I have them too. And sometimes I have bad body image weeks, like, mm-hmm. or I months. Or months, yes. <laughs> I mean, around Christmas time, like around the holidays, I'll be honest, I am very uh, fluffy, if you will. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of treats. And there it's cold outside. There's not really any, any motivation to exercise or, you know, so I don't know. And I think like, that's pretty normal though. And I, and I feel like that's just how it is. And it's like, okay that it's like that. And the seasons, they come and go and summer's just around the corner, right? Where we can be outside a little bit more. And you don't need a bikini body, people. And yeah, you don't need a bikini body. You don't need to like prepare your body for summer. Right. What is yeah. that? Okay, let's talk about this is what we've talked about next. <laughs> and then we probably then we probably have to end because I think we've been going for a while. But what are like your biggest pet peeves 
in diet culture, like when, what things you hear, I'll start with one. Okay. When, go ahead. <laughs> bless their hearts. When I hear moms talk about getting their body back, their pre baby body back. Oh yeah. I, that breaks my heart. You just grew a freaking human inside of you. That is probably the most amazing thing your body will ever do. And not only that you grew it and then you birthed it like what? And then you fed it like, okay, that's amazing that your body can even do that. And I, it is so sad to me when I hear women saying, I got to get that. I got to get that body back. And I'm like, okay, I'm confused. I, I, it just, it's so sad. It's such a huge piece of diet culture and it breaks my heart. Right. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because I wanted to share this story. Um, so I used to go to a certain gym where I was the biggest girl there. And for some reason, everybody at this same gym they all were middle-aged moms that were like super skinny. And then there was me who like, I'm five foot uh, 11 and like over 200 pounds. Right. And all of these women I'm sure are like 90 to 130 pounds, maybe. Right. And I, was okay at the gym for a while. And then it just started to really mess with me, like really, really mess with me. And there was a specific Instagram influencer that lives in Utah that actually went to that gym. And she, uh, she went with um, a friend and I saw them work out all the time and her, most of the time her outfits were pretty revealing and she always had a perfect spray tan. Her makeup was always done. Her hair was always done. And was it down? Um, I never understand when women work out with their hair down in the gym and I need someone to explain that to me. Yeah. Sometimes it so was that's down. Another, that's another conversation. Another tangent. But so anyways, she ended up getting pregnant and I watched her basically exercise while she was pregnant. I watched her do abs while having a child or with, with having a child in her. I don't understand how that's not crushing your child <laughs> to death. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine, but I just thought that was a little odd. I'm like, why are you like having this full on ab workout when you're, when you have like this huge baby belly. Um, but anyways, I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. So during finals and this was during a horrible busy time with school that I just was so stressed out. Um, Ryan and I went to the gym after school and I showed up to the gym and this influencer literally had her baby maybe like two or three months prior already had her abs back. Like it's literally like she never had a child. That's crazy. And that was the first time that I seriously experienced an anxiety attack. Like as soon as I saw her, something in me just like switched and I couldn't focus. I was, it's like, I was just like, I don't even know what was going on, but I just told Ryan, I'm like, I don't know what's happening to me, but I need to cry and we need to leave is <laughs> basically what I said. And I was telling my coworkers about this story a few months later and they basically were like, why do you even go to that gym? And I'm like, you're right. Like I 
don't need to go to this gym because number one, I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm normal at this gym. And two, I probably shouldn't be having anxiety attacks at the gym. So Ryan and I ended up switching gyms and it's been the best thing ever because I see all my curvy Queens walking around with their cellulite and their tight leggings and super cute tops. And I'm just like, Hey girl, you and I are the same. (laughs) And it just makes me so happy. Yeah. Well, I'm like, wow, there are women in the world that do sit at a higher weight, but don't really care because they're at the gym and they respect themselves and they're at the gym because they love themselves. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is you should not be exercising to punish yourself or to make up for something you ate. Right. Um, and I think like, especially for you being tall, cause I'm five, four. So, right. You know, average or short, depending on who you ask. Um, but technically it's the average height of the women in the U S. Okay. Um, <laughs> side note, <laughs> side note, just coming in with those facts for you. Um, I think it probably, especially for you, you didn't see women with your body. like growing up. And Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, of course I was in high school, thought I was fat. I looked back on pictures and I was like, okay, you were fine. Like what was your word delusional? Yeah. Like for (laughs) real though, I did have very large breasts. I did end up having a breast reduction at age 21 because I was a G. I was a size G, which is what in case you're curious. Um, and it caused major back issues. Back issues. That's probably why you've always had back issues. Yeah. It's part of the reason it's really impacted Oh my gosh. And I still have them. I still struggle with them. So, um, got a breast reduction, but I mean, I never saw people, you know how I saw people in the media with big boobs portrayed as, um, I'm trying to think of a polite way to say it, but like very demeaning towards women. Right right? Like Mm -hmm. characters on shows and movies and in the magazine had big boobs, um, were portrayed as, um, being wanted for only that, right. For their bodies. Mm -hmm. And so of course, then I would compare the rest of my body to their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and I grew up hearing in all areas of my life, like, it's not like my parents (laughs) gave me body image issues, the world gave me body image issues because our society is not set up to successfully arm women and even men now. I mean, like how many men really truly have like a complete six pack, really ripped arms. Like you don't look like Chris Hemsworth and it's okay. Right. We have him to look at. We don't need anyone. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I kid, I kid. Well, he literally gets paid millions. Yeah. And he gets a personal trainer. Yeah. Like, look like that, a personal chef. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing about celebrities. Like, I know everybody, and this is a huge political tangent, but I know everybody was like, go J-Lo on the Super Bowl. But it's like, like I just said, she has a personal chef. She has a personal trainer and a and shit's Botox. She's had so much work done. Yeah. That it's like you you can't even compare your life to those people because they nothing about their lives are like ordinary. Like no. because of all the money they have, they literally can do whatever they want to their bodies and can afford whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to read something really quick since we're talking about this. Um, I personally actually really enjoy Shakira and, and JLo. Like, I don't know. I like, <laughs> I didn't love some of the things, but like I overall was like cool performance, like good job, I guess. Um, and I didn't really think a ton of it to be completely honest. I was like, Oh, it's a, I was watching it with my teenage boy cousins and I was a little bit like, Oh, whoa, with some of it. <laughs> 
Um, oh, then, shut your eyes. Yeah, but then like the internet blew up, right? And people right. were like, it's a cultural thing. And I'm like, okay, first off, J-Lo on a stripper pole, not culturally empowering. <laughs> it's just not. But, but there's an account that I follow um, called Beauty Redefined. Everyone go follow them. They're amazing. And they, they made a statement about their performance. This is what they said. And I think it's beautiful. Shakira's and JLo's halftime performance wasn't either empowering or objectifying. It was both. It had to be both for women. It has always been both. It's the nature of the game. Um, and that's, that's very powerful to me because in this world, um, as women, and I'm speaking as a woman, I don't, I I think men struggle with this too, more than we think, but it has always been about my body, my whole life. Right. From the first time I really remember noticing and recognizing was age 13. Um, wanting to be smaller, wanting to be different, wanting to be the same size as my friends, wanting to fit in, wanting to be beautiful and thinking that beautiful meant looking a certain way like beauty is so much more than that um you we don't look at ourselves in the mirror we don't see ourselves when we're laughing when we're telling a story when we're making jokes when we're interacting with people we love we don't see ourselves in those moments that make us truly magnificent and beautiful so we can never accurately judge our own beauty but my whole life it's always been about my body and that's hard for me even now as a woman in this world, it's still about our bodies because look at the body positivity movement. It is amazing in so many ways. Um, I love going to target and seeing mannequins that are not a size zero or a size two, because I have never been as well, maybe in sixth grade, but like right. I have never been as an adult, a size zero or a size two, or even a size eight for that matter. Right. And so I love seeing these mannequins that have a body like mine. I hate that a size 12 or over is considered plus size. The average pant size for a woman in America is 14. Right. So get your crap together because that is not plus size. That is not okay. Right. And the thing is, is well, plus size, plus size starts at 14, which is a joke. And because it's the average size. Right. And I love seeing pictures. Target had a model that had stretch marks that weren't airbrushed out. And I was like, that's amazing. Right. That's powerful to see a model with stretch marks. Victoria's Secret has their first plus size model. Mm-hmm. That's awesome too. There's amazing things. But the problem is, is the conversation is still about our freaking bodies. Right. And I'm sick of it because I am more than a body. And so is every single person on this planet. And that's what they mean. You know, when Beauty Redefined says, it was both objectifying and empowering. It's always been about both because it has, as women, it always has been about our bodies. Even the power that we're taking back, it's not even to be more than our bodies. It's just saying that our bodies are okay the way they are. And that's not okay. We need to take the power back of saying uh, we are more than just our body. Right. The conversation <laughs> revolves around our bodies way too much. Right. And I just, I just feel like just women in general, you're right. Like, I just feel like everything goes back to your body. <laughs> and there's like this higher expectation because you're a woman to look and be a certain way. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's really sad. And I do agree with Marky that like society has made steps in the right direction, but diet culture is still, and we just said this, what did you say? $66 billion. $60 billion annually. Yeah. $60 billion a year. Uh, Taking your money. And also your overall, like, mental health. <laughs> Which is, the, uh, yeah, and that's the biggest price of all, is 
how much how much money and time and emotional energy do we spend thinking about our bodies a day about our food it's ha mm. huh, there's a little quote i saw on pinterest and it said do you know what's healthier than kale having a good relationship with your food <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> and i will say personally i think kale's very gross so. <laughs> actually i don't i like it sometimes I like it sometimes. It's kind of a weird texture, but I like it in some things. I don't eat kale very often. My sister feeds it to her rabbits, so. Hmm. (laughs) Well, you Um, guys, this has been. Anything else? Yeah, this has been. Oh, Oh, I do want to say one more thing. Sorry, sorry. Yes. I just feel like, I mean, we've kind of been really passionate and very blunt with our opinions, Mm -hmm. which. I take nothing back and I regret nothing because <laughs> I, <do. laughs> I believe everything I've said wholeheartedly, but I do want you to know, um, you need to find your own journey. You need to find your own path. And if you're doing any of these things, you're not a bad person. You're, you're really not. And a lot of people, you know, if you're also sitting there saying I'm a mom or I'm a sister or I'm a husband or I'm a boyfriend. And I, I've made comments about, a a woman in my life, her body, I've made these comments or I've made comments about food. That's okay. Okay. You didn't know. I think so many people don't know. And that's why we wanted to do this episode. But I do know personally, because I work with the women and girls who have eating disorders. Um, people make so many comments. I made so many comments before working with these girls that I had no idea. Right. You don't know if someone is struggling with an eating disorder. Only 42% of women with eating disorders seek treatment. 42%. Right. That's it. And so there are so many women and men out there with eating disorders that you don't know. And so constantly talking about your diet, talking about your body, talking about your weight and your macros and whatever it is that you're talking about, um, that is potentially very triggering for people. And now you don't have to adjust your life to fit all these random people's mental illnesses that you don't know about. But I do think it's important to remember um, to be a little more sensitive about those things and to know, like, if you have been doing those things, that's okay. I did it for a long time and I didn't know. Well, I didn't. And here's the thing. Like, if we could ask you guys to do anything, do not comment on anyone's body. Yeah. Like, ever. Ever. Like, if you want to compliment someone, say, hey, that outfit is adorable, or your hair looks so cute today, or that comment you said in our morning meeting was, like, so inspiring. Like, you can comment on literally anything else. Just leave the body out of it, right? Stop saying oh, you look so good. Have you lost weight? Stop saying that. (laughs) Stop it right now. Just stop. (laughs) Well, and the thing is what Marky just said, like when you, and for people who still don't understand this, when you tell me, when you tell me or you tell somebody else that they look good because they've lost weight, it is a double-edged sword. Yep. So A, you're saying, you look amazing, you lost weight, but you were fat before. So you look better now. <laughs> and fat is bad. Yeah, exactly. So just don't say anything. Like, yeah. that's, that's, all, that's all I can say because that has been something that has literally haunted me for years. Like yeah. when I would lose weight, I would, my, my parents would give me so much positive affirmation. And then my friends around me would give me all that positive affirmation. And then when I got fat again, like the comments stopped. Yeah. Right. And it's just sad. Like, so and I'm not trying to be super negative, but just, <laughs> just take. Just stop. Just- <laughs> Sorry, I'm the worst. 
<laughs> well, it's because you're you're a freaking therapist. Well, and can, and can I tell you? an eating disorder clinic. Yeah, and I had a patient. Okay, this kills me. She's 16 years old. Amazing. One of the most motivated teenagers I've ever worked with, which working with motivated teenagers for eat, like to recover from an eating disorder is like almost non-existent. Um, <laughs> but she's so motivated. She goes back to her hometown. She's from a small town and she comes into therapy, um, like a week or two after she had discharged from like 24 hour care and some kid had called her fat. Some big beefy wrestler had called her fat and I was like, I'll Perfect. punch him. I will come. I will find him and I will let him know that's not okay. Obviously I wouldn't cause boundaries and it's like a long drive. Um, but, <laughs> and boundaries most importantly. That's but another talked, thing. If we you're talked, a guy, yes. if you're a guy, never comment on a woman's body. No, ever, 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 ever. Stop doing Period. it. Yep. Um, but we talked about how to deal with it and she actually, she ended up, cause it's a dude she interacts with pretty often, I guess. Right. Um, and he's like a friend, nice guy. Like he didn't mean to be mean. Um, right. and she actually, she handled it with humor with her. She's a very sarcastic, sassy 16 year old. And so she just teases him and she goes, Oh, remember when you called me fat? And like, she just like totally teases him about it and he's, he's learned and you know, he's not going to do it again. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> cause he feels dumb now, <laughs> he feels dumb now, which honestly you, he, he should. Um, but guys, the thing is, is we are more than our bodies right. and we all want to feel that we all want to feel like we're more than our bodies. And so you need to start treating others in that way. And you need to start treating yourself that way. You are not a body. Your body houses your personality, your spirit, your soul. It houses who you are. It's the vessel, the vessel that allows you um, to live, to live and to experience life and fulfill your purpose, which is certainly not to look a certain way because right. that would be super depressing. If all our purpose in life was, to, was to look a certain way. That's, it's not, it's not that you guys. And if you're struggling with that, go get help go see a therapist, talk to your friends, talk to who you need to like figure it out, but you're so much more than your body. Yeah. We just, we just hope that you guys, I mean, I know we got a little bit passionate there, but just know that diet culture has robbed us from a lot of happiness throughout the years. And we just want to do everything we can to mitigate that as much as possible. And when you come in contact with close family and friends and coworkers and, you know, people at school, people at the grocery store, like don't let the only thing that they know about you is that you're on a diet. Right. Yeah. And tell them, about how proud you are of your, you know, 4.0 semester. Tell them about that amazing promotion you got at work. Like, talk about things that you are actually proud of. Yeah. And, and when you run into people and you, and you know things that they've done that are amazing, please don't make the first comment to be something like, oh, you look amazing like comment on what you heard, like, oh my gosh, I'm so amazed by that promotion you got, or you graduated grad school, or, you know, there's so many things in life that we can be complimenting and talking to each other about right. that are not our bodies. That have absolutely nothing to do with our bodies. Well, we love you guys. Yes. We, so We just want you to know that it's you know, we, Marky and I are far, far, far from unfinished, but we... You mean far from finished? Unfinished. <laughs> we <unfinished>. are <laughs> We are definitely unfinished. <laughs> no, Ellie, you're like, we're far, far, far from unfinished. We are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is not what I meant. <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, oh, I'm going to say something. <laughs> but yeah, it's just... We just, we just want you guys to know that, like, that there's another way to live 
and it's not being on a diet your whole life. No. And I am actually very much looking forward to our episode on intuitive eating because honestly, that has been a very long journey for me. Um, I would say probably it's been almost two years since I stopped dieting and it's only been about a month and a half that I have truly understood what intuitive eating is. And honestly, it came, it's honestly come down to my stomach issues that I've been having and just treat your body right. Like eat, eat nourishing food, mindful movement, you know, set goals for yourself. Be kind, be kind be a friend, be, you know, be an example, just be a good person in general. So and if anyways, and if you can't find it in yourself to love your body quite yet, just go for some body gratitude. Just start being grateful for what your body can do for you. Right. Start there. You'll find that the love and acceptance and um, of your body comes when you're grateful for what it can do. It's one of the first things we actually have our girls do is write a letter of gratitude to their bodies. Right. Cause your body is so amazing. So cool. It's so cool. It is. And just like Marky was saying, like the girls that come because they have eating disorders, their bodies are so resilient. As soon as they start recovering, their, their body just goes right. Not probably exactly back to normal, but, but it wants it, but it wants like, to, it wants it. We, and it's natural. Yeah. So, okay. So. Well, we're so grateful you guys. We love you. And we're so grateful for the feedback and all the positive comments we've gotten. Um, if you have any stories for us or any comments or feedback, you can reach us through our Instagram at podcast.unfinished or through our email at podcast.unfinished at gmail.com. Okay, guys. Thanks for listening this week. We'll see you next time.